0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we're doing a quick review of 1 Thessalonians and a quick preview of 2 Thessalonians. Last episode, I mentioned to you that the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 675, has a great summary of what we're going to be seeing and reading about in Second Thessalonians. And I'd like to read for you again just the first sentence from that section 675. It's this, before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. Now, I know what folks are interested in when we turn to 2 Thessalonians. Uh, Who is this man of sin? What's the great apostasy? And what is that mysterious restraining power keeping the great apostasy from uh, revealing itself in the world? And all these things are important and we're gonna cover all those things. But on the practical level, it's really important that we discover ways to find strength to stand up to the final trial or precursors to the final trial that Christians in many countries, even as I am speaking, are facing this moment. You know, it's going to shake the faith of many believers. That's part of the Catholic faith. Now, as we turn to First and Second Thessalonians, Remember the context, St Paul had just come to town bringing the gospel for the very first time. And he was only there a short time, we're guessing, say around 3 weeks, he was run out of town and he from Corinth writes back these two letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, very concerned that these brand new young Catholic believers were capable of standing against the persecution and the afflictions and the tribulation they were experiencing. And he was so happy to know that they did stand. And, you know, how many today, let's say if uh, somebody who had no church experience, whatever, if they only had three weeks of uh, uh, RCIA, would they be willing to stand in the days of Imperial persecution? You know, I don't know. But we have to ask the question, what was it that enabled these brand new believers in Thessalonica to stand? First, as I mentioned last week, they were taught eschatology. If you want a Christian worldview, you want a comprehensive Christian faith, you have to know the beginning and the end. Therefore, what your place is in the middle of those two. Two they were taught that the normal Christian life involved suffering, and that's something that's very hard for us to comprehend here in the United States who have been blessed for so many years of religious freedom. But number three, and this is what I want to focus on today because I think this has kind of really fallen into an eclipse, so to speak. These new believers were taught the kingship of, of Jesus. And as a result, they had received a strong internal power that enabled them to stand against both cultural pressure, persecution, and the imperial power of Rome. You see, what caused such a disturbance in this early church? What caused the disturbance in the proclamation of the gospel You might even ask yourselves, what's causing the non-disturbance in our day? Well, we read in the book of Acts, when Paul came to town in Acts 17, and they couldn't find Paul, so they found one of his converts by the name of Jason, and they dragged Jason and some of his fellow believers before the city authorities, crying out, these men who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. You see, an essential part of the gospel proclamation by St. Paul to these new believers was the kingship of Jesus Christ. Today, we think, I know from Protestant settings, particularly evangelical Protestants will say, well, what's the gospel? Well, God created us, we fell into sin, we have a need of a Savior, and we believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but that's not the complete gospel. Uh, There was a very distinct emphasis in Paul's proclamation of the kingship of Christ. And if you remember, if you were living in Macedonia or Greece at the time, and heard the word gospel in its Greek form, you would think, oh, yeah, we've heard gospel before. Gospel referred to a proclamation of Caesar, or gospel referred to a proclamation of a great military victor of the legions from Rome. So it was a, an announcement of the kingdom or an announcement of the king. And when Paul came proclaiming the gospel, He was emphasizing the kingship of Christ. Now, the folks in Thessalonica had an advantage over us, and here's here's why. They had a part of their cultural DNA, part of their just civic makeup, a firsthand experience of kingship. You see, Macedonia, which was that part of the area which we call Greece today— Was home of one of the greatest empires in all of world history. It was the home of Alexander the Great and his kingdom, his worldwide kingdom. This was the civic DNA, worldview, whatever you want to call it, of the Thessalonians. And after Alexander's days, a little while after, Macedonia was involved in a bunch of wars with Rome. Rome finally conquered macedonia and so the thessalonians did a 180 they switched their allegiance to caesar and became a center of support of the cult of the emperor so in other words they went from one great king alexander the great to another great king caesar who was proclaimed lord through the cult at Thessalonica. And as a result, the city and the region received all kinds of benefits and money from Rome. And along comes St. Paul saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. And it, it it really took root in these believers. So what happens today? You know, I have to admit, I have wrestled with this show. And in case you were listening to 1 Thessalonians Today should sound very similar to the way I introduced that epistle. The reason I'm doing this a second time is because we don't have any place in our cultural DNA for kingship to really stick. What is our first-hand knowledge of kingship? Watching a royal wedding on TV or some old movie, but I mean, we don't have any firsthand experience. Our nation was founded by telling the king of England to take a hike, and there's no replacement. It wasn't like replacing Alexander the Great with Caesar. There's no earthly king in the United States reflecting the kingship of Christ. And when you're trying to teach something, like I am, that the essence of the proclamation of the gospel— is that Jesus Christ is the great sovereign king, Lord, ruler over all the universe, over all nations, over civic governments. This moment, it's very hard to teach this because to teach something effectively so that it sticks, you wanna take something that people know and then teach the unknown. Well, in Thessalonica, the people knew about kingship, Alexander and Caesar. In the United States, that's, that's, that's a lot harder to find something that would stick. There's another problem. It's what I call Cringe Sunday. What's Cringe Sunday? It's a Sunday, I have to confess, that I cringe. It should be, and it is for me, one of the greatest days of the church year. I so appreciate the feast of Christ the King, the final day of the church year. But every time I hear the faulty translation proclaimed from John chapter 18 and 36, it, that goes like this, Jesus speaking, my kingdom does not belong to this world. Ah! Oh. <laughs> In Greek, Jesus is simply saying, my kingdom does not derive from the sources of this world like earthly kingdoms do. But what do ninety whatever percent of Catholics get from this? Oh, that Jesus' kingdom is from never-never land. And, you know, after you hear this gospel reading on the Feast of Christ the King, my kingdom does not belong to this world, and then you may even have some homily entitled Jesus is the King of our hearts. He sure is the King of our hearts, but that's not the point of the Feast of Christ the King. Um, we, we pray the Our Father, thy kingdom come. Well, where? Never, never land? No, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, 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 this 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 could be very significant, couldn't it? Yes, it could. That's why the encyclical Quas Primus, which is simply the English title, the, On the Kingship of Christ, try to find a print copy in a Catholic bookstore today. Go to the encyclical rack and look for Quas Primus. You're not gonna find it in 99.9% of Catholic bookstores in the United States. Fortunately, and to their credit, EWTN's religious library and the Vatican website both have it, but what has happened is that Jesus has been uncrowned and dethroned in the United States. And you top that off with the rapture at any moment theories, which I don't know, just to give it to you real quick, the church age is now, and that means, in their understanding, that means it's not the kingdom age, that the kingdom age will not begin until after this entire period of human history, until after Jesus Christ returns. It's something in the future. So they basically are blowing off the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the world. This is what Paul came to town proclaiming and it's basically been so eclipsed in our nation. But listen to again to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. Our gospel, remember this can be a royal proclamation, came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. I looked up that Greek word for full conviction, and it means with much certainty, or superabundant fullness. See, the full gospel, the one that includes Jesus as King, has a transforming power. That when people hear it, they get a power brought inside of themselves that's more powerful than the persecutions, the inflictions, the imperial pressure against Christians who are standing for Jesus as Lord. This is more powerful than Rome's legions. But when the gospel has been neutered, when Jesus has been dethroned, when Jesus has been uncrowned, then we lack the strength to stand. So what's your religious experience? And how about your CCD class or your youth group or your own children? The gospel proclamation is a call to a faith-filled allegiance to Jesus Christ the King. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 33 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.